from the Center for European Reform. This is the CER Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the CER Podcast. My name is Sophia Besch. I'm a research fellow at the Center for European Reform. And today I'm in conversation with Christian Odendahl, the CER's chief economist. Hi, Christian. Hi, Sophia. So the CER has just launched a major new report, Relaunching the EU, and Christian has written the chapter on reforming the Eurozone. And that's what we want to talk about today. Christian, the Eurozone is growing strongly and economic sentiment is at its highest level since 2001. The Eurozone is out of the woods, isn't it? Why do we even need to talk about it in a report about relaunching the EU? That's a, that's a fair question, considering how strong the European economy is, is doing. But I, I would argue that the Eurozone is not really out of the woods. Economically, it's true. The Eurozone is recovering, and that recovery has been long overdue. But it would need to run like this for a long time to, uh, to overcome, for example, the still high unemployment, low inflation, until basically the Eurozone is at full capacity. For interest rates to normalize, for those highly indebted countries to, to reduce public debt levels, and also over-indebted private sector. So the recovery is welcome, overdue, but it's not uh, sufficient for the Eurozone to be out of the woods for forever. It is helping, but the Eurozone still needs reform to be viable in the long term. So in your research, you often make the point that the Eurozone is not just an economic project, it is also a political project. And the economic recovery, marginal as it might be at the moment that you talk about, how is that reflected in the political sides of the Eurozone, in the political integration aspects? The Eurozone is both a economic and a political project. And the crisis has shown that economically, the Eurozone is not an optimal project, not in the sense that would lead to further political integration and it, it was more likely to drive countries apart. And so politically, at least in, at the height of the crisis, I think the Euro was doing exactly the opposite of what it was supposed to be doing politically. What do you mean it's more likely to drive countries apart? So in the crisis, we saw that some countries had to give money to other countries to bail out investors. We had to integrate, for example, banking policies and so forth. So there was a lot of forced integration at a time scale and at a, at a pace that I think was overwhelming for both creditor countries, as we call it, so those in the core and periphery countries who were in deep crisis. And the high unemployment and low growth, particularly in the periphery countries, has undermined confidence in European institutions. And I think this is one of the issues that is still a problem for the Eurozone despite the recovery. So of course it's helping and also helping the political project Euro. But I think over the long term, if we do not get the kind of economic convergence, so that means countries, poorer countries getting richer faster than the rich countries, living standards converging. I think if we don't get that in the medium to long term, then the Euro will be politically corrosive for the entire European project. And I think that is the major risk. So muddling through might work economically, but it's not enough to make the Euro a political success. Exactly. So I think the institution that we've created, the fact that the ECB is very strongly involved, that has allowed the Eurozone to muddle through for quite a long time, through quite severe crises. But politically, I don't think that is what is good for the European project. I think in the medium term, if we do not reform it, and if it doesn't go economically as well in the future, I mean, this bout of economic strength might end, then it will be corrosive to the entire European project. Not necessarily the euro. I think that was the fear at the height of the crisis, that it, the euro would fall apart. But I think the political capital invested in the euro has then led institutions and politicians to create the institutions and the policies to allow them to muddle through. But the weaknesses and the problems of the euro might pop up elsewhere. So political resistance to the entire European project. So 
how do we make it a success? What are your recommendations in this uh, report about relaunching, about reforming the Eurozones? What are the options that we have? I seem to remember a few years ago now you're writing a report, we don't need no federation. Is that still true? So I think what we start with in the report is to outline the two extreme options. One is a fully federal Eurozone with a very big, strong central government, strong finance minister, budget, budgetary oversight, central reforms and so forth. And on the other hand, that is a bit more the idea that is popular in Germany to devolve everything again back to the nation state, fiscal responsibility, debt restructuring, basically responsibility for its own economy. And I think why I wrote the report that we don't need no federation, I think that was meant to outline a compromise between the two that is politically viable and at the same time economically sustainable. And in that I argue that, and also in this report now, I argue that we should most importantly focus on integrating those policies that are most important for the Eurozone survival and for the Eurozone working well, which means the Euro is a macroeconomic and financial project. So let's focus on these policies first and let's leave as much as possible from other policies such as structural reforms or so to nation states. And this is what I'm outlining in the report. So that's the compromise. That is the compromise. But I think what we've been focusing on in the Eurozone at the moment, finding a compromise between those two notions in part in policies where I don't think that was necessary. So in terms of fiscal policy, for example, having centralized rules and centralized oversight. I don't think politically that works. I don't think that is necessary. The, the answer should be more to create strong national institutions that supervise and make sure that fiscal policy is set countercyclically, that is set sustainably, and not have a centralized authority, you know, implementing rules. I don't think politically that works. And I think that the crisis shows that. Right. So I want to talk about how politically feasible these ideas are. There is a bit of a momentum right now, quite a lot of hope for the Franco-German couple's ability to reform the Eurozone. Finally, there are people who say that because of Macron being in office and because of Berlin realizing that the Euroscepticism has come to a level where Germany does have to give in on some reform proposals, there is an opportunity for Macron's ideas for a Eurozone government, a Eurozone finance minister to bear fruit. How do you judge that? What France is proposing and, and Macron's proposing is going a bit in the direction of the federal union when it comes to fiscal policy in particular and the Eurozone budgets. The intention is that if we have a strong Eurozone finance minister with his or her own budget, and then th that is the hope that this will also change the debate about fiscal policy, that this centralized fiscal authority can take into account what is good for the Eurozone as a whole and not just for nation states. This is in a direction that is helpful economically, but I'm not quite sure whether politically in the current climate, this is the way Germany is willing to go. And so you could tell from the coalition negotiations already, even though they are still at an early stage, that all parties seem to reject that kind of idea of a centralized Eurozone budget. So this is what I'm suggesting in the report is probably not the most promising idea. It is in a future crisis helpful to have a centralized Eurozone authority. But I think the way politically, realistically, France and Germany should be going about this is first to look at things that they can reform now where they reasonably agree. So let's say on the banking union, on the capital markets union, both are highly technical issues where the Eurozone as a whole would benefit a lot if that was more deeply integrated. And I think coming to some kind of momentum there and grand bargain there, I'd be more helpful and politically more realistic at the moment. When it comes to fiscal policy, the debate in Germany does not seem to be shifting in any meaningful way at the moment. So this is the problem for the Eurozone, because I think Germany's view on fiscal policy and how it helps in the Eurozone in a monetary union to stabilize countries needs to change. But politically at the moment, there's not much momentum in that direction and certainly not under this new government.
So is there a risk that the Eurozone will end up with reforms in name only? And would that mean that it's not just a wasted opportunity, but also destructive? Because there is hope now for reform initiated by Macron if Germany and Macron agree on the Eurozone budget, but not sufficiently big to make a difference, or a Eurozone finance minister, but not with enough powers to make a difference. Will there be another European halfway house? Will that disappoint European citizens all over again? I think the risk is there, absolutely. What Germany and France will in the end agree on will probably be some kind of face-saving deal for Macron so that Germany is seen as giving in, but it's important to look at the fine print of what that really means and whether that makes a material difference. And if it doesn't make a difference, then we should hope that this current Eurozone recovery runs for a very long time so that these new deals and new institutions that are created then are not really put to the test anytime soon. Relaunching the EU is a new major report that the CR has brought out. It's now available on the CR website. You can also listen to the podcast episodes that I recorded with Charles Grant, the director of the CR, on his views about a more flexible European Union, and with Luigi Scazzieri and John Springford about the chapter that they wrote on migration and security. Thanks, Christian. Thank you. If you enjoy listening to the CER podcast, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes. And while you're there, please leave a rating or a review. It helps other people find us. And you can also let us know what you think on Twitter at CER underscore EU.